Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Yulia. You may know me from my eponymous TikTok and YouTube and as a host of FAQU by Svidomi Media Podcast on Russian disinformation, all linked in the description below. Today I'm here in place of Linnea Hubbard. Don't ask. I don't have any answers. Let's dive in. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. It has been 3,393 days since Russia occupied the Crimea Peninsula on January 27, 2014, and one year and 108 days since Russia expended its war against Ukraine. These are the events that happened yesterday, June 11, 2023. Let's start with a daily assessment. We assess the following. A compelling body of evidence indicates that on June 6, 2023, between 0225 and 0250 hours local time, Russian occupiers blew up the Kahovka hydroelectric power plant, dam structure, or both, causing its catastrophic failure. We assess that Ukrainian forces have completed shaping operations and have started the next phase of the planned counteroffensive, engaging in subordinate attacks. Ukrainian forces have started to make tactical gains in two operational areas of up to 10 kilometers through a combination of adjusting tactics and wearing down Russian defenses. The destruction of the Kahovka Dam and the launch of the next phase of the Ukrainian counteroffensive has distracted the Russian information space from the Kremlin's inability to defend the border in Belgorod and secure Russia's airspace, creating a political win for Russian President Vladimir Putin. In our assessment, the Kremlin's move to eliminate the command structure of private military company Wagner Group and integrate all volunteer fighters into the Russian Ministry of Defense will be met with significant resistance by Evgeny Prigozhin and his allies. We maintain the Russian Ministry of Defense is in a chaotic state, incapable of creating mission cohesion between penal units, MOBICs, conscripts, elite forces, PMCs, and proxy forces. Russian Chief of Staff Gerasimov and Defense Minister Shoigu are some of the best allies available for the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense due to their acceptance of systemic corruption, political infighting, waste of military resources, and refusal to adapt to the realities within the theater of war. We have an important update about the Kahovka Dam. Since our June 5, 2023 situation report, which included preliminary information about the collapse of the Kahovka Dam in Kherson, numerous independent sources and, ironically, even Russian state media, have reported on a growing body of evidence that an internal explosion, or explosions, likely destroyed the Kahovka hydroelectric power plant between 02.20 and 02.54 hours on June 6. In addition, the actions by the Russian Ministry of Defense in occupied Zaporizhia and Donetsk indicate an intent to use dams to create obstacles for the now ongoing Ukrainian offensive. This aligns with a pattern of Russian forces destroying or attempting to destroy dams as part of defensive actions, which directly violates Article 56 of the Geneva Convention. This includes February 26, 2022, the dam that blocked the North Crimean Canal, multiple missile attacks on the Pachinihe Dam in the summer and fall of 2022, September 14, 2022, the Karachun Dam in Krivirih that impounded the Inholets River, May 25, 2023, the Karlovsky Dam in Karlivka that impounded the Vovcha River, 
June 2023, at least two dams in occupied Zaporizhia and one dam in occupied Donetsk. On June 7th, the Norwegian Seismic Monitoring Center, NORSAR, reported that seismic data indicated that an explosion occurred on June 6th at 02.54 hours local time, which roughly aligns with the time of the collapse of the Kahovka Dam. The organization, which monitors the world for nuclear weapon use or tests, said the pulse observed was typical for an explosion, adding, seismic data cannot locate the energy pulse of the explosion to a more exact location than within 20 to 30 kilometers of the KHPP, adding, quote, seismic data cannot locate the energy pulse of the explosion to a more exact location than within 20 to 30 kilometers of the KHPP, unquote adding it would be an, quote, unusual coincidence, unquote, if something else caused the pulse. To clarify, the Norsar do not suggest a nuclear explosion at the Kahovka Dam, but an event large enough to be detected by their monitoring equipment. The Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine released audio recordings indicating that a Russian sabotage unit was ordered to make a display of force to scare Ukrainian officials to the negotiation table, but the attempt was botched destroying the dam instead. Captured in the call, quote, they, the Ukrainian side, didn't screw up there. Our sabotage group is there. They wanted to scare the guy with this dam. It didn't go according to plan, but more than planned, unquote. Most experts agree with the theory that the damage is inconsistent with a failure due to previous damage and neglect by Russian operators. The debate of whether it was intentional or accidental is, in a word, immaterial, as the outcome is the same. Human Rights in Ukraine reported that Russian occupiers have started to destroy and manipulate dams in occupied Zaporizhia, which provides evidence of intent to destroy the Kahovka Dam. Satellite images that we were able to verify showed changes in hydrology near the cities of Berdensk and Tokmak, indicating that dams were either breached or blocked on purpose to create water obstacles. On the evening of June 6th, Radio Liberty interviewed Ihor Sorota, general director of the state-owned hydropower Ukr Hydroenergo, after meeting with the Ukrainian National Security Council and President Volodymyr Zelensky. When asked, quote, In your opinion, it was a controlled detonation by Russian troops? That is, they got what they wanted. Isn't it very noticeable that everything was calculated by engineering? End quote. Sirota replied, quote, I clearly see what the Russians left behind in Bucha, what they did to Mariupol, to Volnovakha, to Bakhmut. They have barbaric approaches. They, realizing that there is a counteroffensive, deoccupation, they simply blow up everything and demolish everything that can be demolished and everything that can be swept away. There is nothing valuable for them. Let's be honest and open. All over the world, let's say, actions against dams, hydroelectric power plants, and nuclear power plants are called terrorism and nothing else. It's just called that. End quote. But he added another point. If Russian occupiers in Crimea had filled their reservoirs, quote, to the brim, unquote, which they have, it will be, quote, another confirmation of what they were going for. So they were preparing for this situation, end quote. A final determination will take months of investigation by on-site inspectors, will require the area to become a demilitarized zone and based on current territorial control would require complete Russian Federation cooperation. Experts and hydrologists will better understand what happened as more water drains away, exposing the remaining sections of the dam. To be crystal clear, if the destruction of the Kahovka Dam was accidental by a Russian sabotage unit, as the GUR recording suggests, 
It in no way limits Russian culpability. It does not change the fact that Russian forces blew up the dam. If Russia had not expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine on February 24, 2022, occupied Kherson, refused to cooperate with Ukrainian officials, neglected to manage water flow after December 1, 2022, failed to initiate critical repairs and, by their claims, mined the dam for demolition to prevent Ukrainian forces from using the structure as a wet crossing for future offensive operations in eastern Kherson, none of this would have happened. Ultimately, the responsibility for the operation and safety of the Kahovka Dam rested with the Russian Federation due to their occupation of the powerhouse and militarization of the structure. They failed in their responsibilities. Let's talk about the Russian front. In the Belgorod operational direction, severe thunderstorms moved through the region on Sunday, which may have reduced operational tempo. Belgorod region governor Vyacheslav Gladkov said Shibekina had been hit by 53 artillery rounds, mortars, and drone-delivered IEDs. The border settlement of Zhuravlyovka was shelled with 31 munitions. Near Belgorod, two drones were shot down over the suburb of Razumoye, with debris damaging cars and roofs of homes. No, this isn't an editing artifact. This is the third day in a row this was reported by Governor Gladkov. Near Alexeyevka, 15 railroad cars derailed for an unknown reason. Local officials claimed the cars were empty, but the tracks were damaged. At the time of recording, the line was still under repair. Moving on to the Kharkiv region. In the Dvorichna operational area, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or RMOD, alleged that Ukrainian sabotage and reconnaissance units, also known as DRG, were operating in the area of Liman Pershi. And that's it. Russian commanders withdrew units and private military company Storm Z from this operational area. Moving on to the Donbass region, starting in Luhansk. Svatova operational area, RMOD made its obligatory claim of Ukrainian DRG units operating in the area of Novoselivske. Further south in the Kurminna operational area, fighting continued in the Serebransky woods, with Russian and Ukrainian forces continuing to trade defensive positions in a wide gray area south of Kurminna to the Siversky Donets River. In the Lysychansk operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces continued attempts to advance on Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, without success. In northeast Donetsk, it remained active in the Bakhmut operational area. Fighting in the area of Barkhivka and Yahidne continued with Ukrainian forces advancing up to 200 meters. While both combatants report that Ukrainian forces continue to make gains in this area, both are maintaining tight OPSEC, so we could not update the map. Within the city of Bakhmut, there were no significant changes. We maintain that Ukrainian forces hold 3% of the city in the three pockets, including southeast of Khromova, the Litak region, and in the community garden south of school number 2. Moving further south to the Klishchivka operational area, Ukrainian source Deep State reported continued fighting near Klishivka and, and JSAFU reported a Russian attempt towards Bilahora. And JSAFU reported that a Russian attempt towards Bilahora failed. Surprise! Moving to southeastern Donetsk, we have a lot of updates in this region. 
In the Avdiivka operational area, the 1st Army Corps, supported by the Russian Air Force, also known as the VKS, attempted to advance on Avdiivka without success. Russian forces launched another failed attack from Vodyane towards Severne. RMOD claimed that Ukrainian forces had gone on the offensive in Pervomaiske with no additional information. In the Marienka operational area, RMOD reported an increase in activity, claiming Ukrainian forces went on the offensive in the Krasnohorivka area. Chechen forces of the Ahmad 54th Motor Rifle Brigade and the Russian 5th Motor Rifle Brigade of the 1st Army Corps continued to fight Ukrainian forces in Marienka, with both combatants claiming they launched attacks. There is no change in the line of conflict, and Chechen forces are reportedly suffering high casualties. We had previously assessed that the legendary ferocity of Chechen Ahmad units was just that, a legend. Historically, since Russia expended its war of aggression against Ukraine, Chechen units have underperformed when placed on the front lines both in offensive and defensive capacity. Ukrainian forces have made significant progress in the Lubumivka staromlinivka operational district. At the time of recording, Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar confirmed that Neskuchne, Storozheva, Blahodatne, Makarivka, Levadne in Zaporizhia and Novodarivka had been liberated. Eleven civilians who had been living under occupation for over a year were rescued as stability measures continued. Warganzo admonished Russian social media accounts and mill bloggers claiming that several of these settlements had been taken back as quote, fantasies, unquote, and harmful to the Russian information space, adding that no amount of moving lines on a map will change reality. Funny how he should take that advice himself. Russian propagandist Alexandra Slatkov wrote that regular Russian troops retreated from Urozhaina, leaving the first army corps of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, DNR, as a rare guard force. Slatkov also said that due to poor weather, Russian Army aviation and the VKS could not provide close air support. Russian sources were reporting fighting as far as south of Zavitna Bozhanya. Ukrainian forces have advanced as far as 10 kilometers since June 5th. For this reason, we have renamed this section the Lubimivka Staromlinivka Operational Direction. In occupied Donetsk, a geolocated video showed a Russian forward operation base, FOB, and ammunition depot struck by rockets fired by HIMARS, destroying the location and knocking out power in Olhinka. Adding to the body of evidence that Russia had the intent to destroy the Kahovka Dam, the Staromlinivska Reservoir Dam in Klichova was blown up. The dam impounds the Mokri Yale River and flows north towards Staromlinivka, where Ukrainian forces are advancing. Now let's talk about the situation in Zaporizhia. Now let's talk about the situation in Zaporizhia. Starting in the Orikhiv operational area, heavy fighting continued along a wide axis. Russian sources report that Ukrainian troops are embracing their technological advantages, attacking more at night due to the wide availability of high-quality military-grade night vision equipment. Fighting continued near Novopokrovka and Robotina with no change in the situation. Ukrainian forces have made marginal gains south of Lubkova, which Deputy Minister of Defense Malyar confirmed as liberated, and are continuing attempts to advance towards Pietakhatki and Zhrebyanki. Fighting has been more difficult for Ukraine due to deeper Russian defenses and a higher troop concentration in this operational area. 
Here is what we know about the Kahovka Reservoir. On June 11th at 18.00 hours local time, the water level had dropped to 9.35 meters with outflow slowing down. Ukrainian officials estimate 70% of the reservoir's volume has drained out to the Black Sea. The fallen water level had exposed structures that hadn't been seen since the early years of the Cold War, including older brigades that crossed streams before the reservoir was created. At the time of recording, local officials reported that the gouges that measure water level have become fouled with silt and are no longer operating. In occupied Zaporizhia, an audio recording captured a large HIMARS attack in Tokmak. Nearby, a Russian drone operations and intelligence base in Luhova was destroyed. Electronic warfare was used to isolate the signals between drones and the operators, jam the signals, and then target the origination point. In Yakimivka, insurgents destroyed the railroad bridge over the Tashchenak River, serving the only railroad line that connects occupied Crimea with Melitopol. This will hinder Russian logistics due to the loss of the ground line of communication, GLOC supply line. Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Malar said that VDV and naval infantry were being redeployed from western Kherson to Zaporizhia, and reserve units in Zaporizhia were being redeployed to Bakhmut. This is what we know about the status of ZNPP. The IAEA reported that Reactor 5 at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remained in hot shutdown, and a mitigation plan for providing steam for plant operations was being considered. Director General Rafael Mariano Grossi said that experts with the IAEA need access to the water gouge for the Kahovka Reservoir due to a significant discrepancy in the data it is reporting. The data feed indicated the water level was 11.27 meters, almost 2 meters higher than other gouges. Quote, it is possible that the discrepancy in the measured levels is caused by an isolated body of water separated from the larger body of the reservoir. But we will only be able to know when we gain access to the thermal power plant, end quote, Grossi said. Grossi added, quote, The thermal power plant plays a key role for the safety and security of the nuclear power plant a few kilometers away. I fully expect that our experts will be able to go there very soon to independently assess the situation. I will also personally raise the important matter with the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, end quote, adding that access to the ZTPP switchyard to inspect 330 kilowatt transformers was critical. Moving on to the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa regions. In occupied Crimea, insurgents blew up train tracks near Kirovskaya on the Vladislavovka-Kirovsk line, almost derailing a train. Russian sources claim the tracks have already been repaired. In Mayak, the radar dome, which has provided Russian forces with a broad view of aerial and naval activity on the Black Sea, has been damaged with a large hole visible in a satellite image. It is unclear when the damage occurred. In the Mykolaiv region, with floodwaters retreating in Kherson, attention has shifted to Mykolaiv, where evacuations accelerated along the Inhulets River. Local officials confirmed only one person has died from flooding, and that the pollution and salinity in the Inhulets River have been flushed out at multiple sampling sites. If you listen to our podcast in an impacted area, we remind you to check with local officials for the most up-to-date information before using river water. Here is the situation in western and central Ukraine. 
Kherson, Russian forces attacked three boats filled with 21 evacuees as they left the left when looking at a map that would be the east bank of occupied Kherson, killing three civilians and wounding 10 more, including two police officers overseeing the rescue operation. A 74-year-old man was killed when he was shot in the back after throwing himself onto a woman to shield her from the gunfire. In an update, since we wrote the situation report, Ukrainian officials confirmed a second fatality was a pregnant woman. As of June 11th, 112 people have been rescued from the left bank, including 54 women and 7 children. The settlement of Kozatske on the west bank of the Dnipro and impacted by flooding was hit by two FAB 500SE UPMK glide bombs, striking a kindergarten and a five-story apartment building. Because the town is mostly evacuated, there were no injuries reported. The limited watermelon planting that farmers could do in Kherson has been wiped out by flooding. Only 10% of the available farmland was planted due to Russian landmines left behind after the occupation. Videos and pictures show the fields covered in water. Interesting fact, the drier and warmer it is during the maturation phase, the sweeter and higher quality of the watermelon as a Ukrainian can confirm. Pictures from June 10 showed the state of the locks and ship channel at the Kahovka Dam, where the water level has dropped below the lock houses. The pictures don't reveal any new insights. In Dnipropetrovsk, 162,000 people in 34 settlements have no access to water and are reliant on the distribution of potable and technical, not drinkable, water. Finally, here is what is happening across the theater of war. About 700,000 people in Ukraine are deprived of access to clean drinking water due to the collapse of the Kahovka Dam. United Nations Under Secretary General for Humanitarian Affairs Martin Griffiths clarified that the figure includes occupants of free and occupied Ukraine. And that's what we know. Tune in tomorrow for our next update. And in the meanwhile, follow my YouTube and TikTok for daily updates on Ukraine live as well as check out my new podcast, FAQU by Svidomi Media, on Apple and Spotify, all linked in the description below. До побачення і, можливо, до зустрічі! You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.